Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. If it makes you feel better, my wife bought a package of Hershey's candy canes. Yeah. And they're just like chocolate mint-flavored candy canes. They're so fucking good, man. (laughs) That that does make me feel better. I'm buying some of those. (laughs) I'm not buying any of those. That's, that sound really good. The fuck you know? Yeah, I don't it's, care. it's crazy because it's like it really does taste like chocolate, but it's straight candy. So, it's like minty chocolate, though, right? Yeah. yeah. That sounds pretty excellent. Uh, does everybody have favorite Christmas candy? Oh, that's. That's hard. I really don't actually. I don't. I love me. I love me a chocolate orange, and I usually only get one of those around Christmas. Mm. Uh, most people I know only make Buckeyes around Christmas. I'm a big fan of those. I don't know what that is. Essentially, a peanut butter ball dipped in chocolate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Those are really good. And they're usually like maple flavored too, right? There are some that are, yes. Yeah, they call them Buckeyes down here. Do you have Buckeyes up there, Doug? Um, Someone I used to make them, but she was American. So I don't know if she learned how to make them down there or up here. Well, I'm warm, man. Do you have actual Buckeyes up there in Canada? I don't know what that means. They're like, like they're like walnuts, but like harder than steel. Uh, no, I was thinking like a male deers. Do they have eyes up here? And I was like, yes, they do. But that can't be what they mean. <laughs> no, it's these things that fall off the tree and they're smooth and they're like uh, they essentially look like that. I mean, they're they're kind of a dark brown and then they have a light brown like little. Circle on them. They're nature's slingshot round. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. If so I was just curious. Nope. All right. Well, hey. I'm pretty partial to uh, peppermint bark, too. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's like all, all the Christmas stuff. Is hot chocolate a candy? It's pretty damn close. <laughs> Is it? Not Christmassy though. You can have hot chocolate, whatever. Ah, see, but once once you pour a little bit of peppermint schnapps in there and stir it with a candy cane, Christmas. Yeah. Does just having like 
coffee and Bailey's every morning in the week leading up to Christmas count as your favorite Christmas candy? Because <laughs> do you put something mildly Christmassy in it? Like perhaps a, a little dazzle of red and green sprinkles atop it? Maybe I can. If that, well, well, there you right. go. That's Christmas. That is one of my favorite things about the Christmas season is that you can just be like, it can be two in the afternoon and you're sipping a drink and somebody's like, what the? And you're, it's Christmas. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, OK, good, good point. <laughs> are you are you drinking booze? It's eggnog, baby. <laughs> are you guys nog people? I love me some nog. As when I was younger, I loved just drinking eggnog straight, and then I learned that you could mix it with different things as I got older. And I went through a phase where I really liked it. I do. I I actually like that. See, I like regular old non-alcoholic eggnog. Okay, it's it's not bad with the booze in it, but I just I just like eggnog. I like that shit you buy in the carton at the store. Yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck yeah, ultra pasteurized eggnog. Yeah, that's that's America. I don't think I've ever ever had it any other way. No, I can I can make it homemade. It's pretty good. I'm sure you can. But it doesn't do me any good up here an hour and a half away from you. Well, maybe I'll come up there. No, oh, please don't. That's <laughs> <laughs> my feelings. I thought we were gonna hang out and watch Christmas Bloody Christmas. Uh, when did we plan that? We didn't, but I'm suggesting. <laughs> uh, well, all right. And now apparently we have Santa Steen as well to look for. <laughs> I didn't watch the trailer. When does that come out? I don't know if it said. I don't know. It, the trailer says 2022, so I, I have yeah. to assume it's this year. I would think it's got to be like pretty soon, too. I don't think they're releasing that like on the 28th, you know? So magical. This is a magical year for uh, Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, when you get around to this trailer, it's like it's not just a clever title. It's literally about people that kill Santa and then resurrect him. (laughs) (laughs) It's it earns its title. Nice. Uh, since Coca-Cola co-opted the image of Santa, has Santa been, Santa been so prevalent? <laughs> oh, I've always, I've really, really wanted to see an H.R. Geiger-esque um, sort of pseudo-future sci-fi horror movie in which, you know, it's it's the typical cyberpunk future where corporations have taken over everything. And the Coca-Cola Corporation breeds a uh, actual Santa Claus polar bear <laughs> in, in order to use it to make money. But instead it goes crazy and the Santa polar bear is going from house to house murdering children. You should have saved that idea. For, for what that's we'll only one week. of that's only one of my many Christmas ideas. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into that later. Um, well, much like Santa, sometimes American businessmen take a plane and travel to Japan. So that's Wait, the best I can. That's, best I can do. that's a, that's a week. That's a week. Fucking segue, Brian. <laughs> your implication is that when like Santa travels the world in his sleigh, but then when it's Japan time, he gets on a plane, which I don't agree with. 
<laughs> I don't feel that's how, that's how it works. Also, technically, I didn't see any movie with businessmen in them this week. Wow. Uh, well, I guess that means, Doug, you're going to have to tell us about uh, Black Rain. Black Rain? Black Rain. Uh, so Michael Douglas is a very badass police officer. He's so badass that he has a motorcycle. Uh, he's so badass that he has a leather jacket. He's so badass that he doesn't wear a tie to his meeting with internal affairs. He's really badass. And then uh, he just, by sheer coincidence, witnesses a Yakuza murder in the middle of New York City. Um, As he So, yeah, I mean, I guess it happens. And so he is able to apprehend the suspect. Uh, but the Japanese government has him extradited to face trial there before the American government can charge him for the crimes he's committed in the States. So Michael Douglas and his partner, Andy Garcia, have to bring him over there. Uh, when they get there, they are tricked into turning him over to the wrong people because it turns out it never occurred to anyone to send somebody who knew how to read Japanese and double check the paperwork before they turned <laughs> the guy over. Um, so now he's free. So they end up, um, they end up basically embroiled in the investigation of what's been going on with the Yakuza in Japan. And then Andy Garcia is killed. So Michael Douglas has to teach the value of revenge to the stiff law abiding, boring police that exist in Japan. He has to teach them all about, you know, murdering people who murdered somebody you care about because that's what real police works all about. And after they, <laughs> after he's successful in that, he gets an award and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's be real. Uh, both these movies this week could be called unfrozen caveman lawyer, the movie, <laughs> because both of them deal with somebody going, I don't understand your culture and how stuff works. And then, uh, there's some sort of fight. I think the difference between the two movies, though, is that this one fucking sucks. God, this movie fucking sucked. It was, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but this movie was goddamn boring. It was boring from the fucking moment that the movie started all the way through. And there's like a, a group of Japanese street toughs on motorcycles cut a dude's fucking head off with a katana and it's still fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> Riding uh, a motorcycle at him and swinging the katana at the head, chopping it off if anybody uh, is wondering at home. <laughs> um, I'll say spoiler alert. Both movies are way too goddamn long. Both uh, almost two hours each. Yeah. They easily could be an hour and a half. And it would well, made them run here's, here's the problem with Black Rain. And it comes down to this. It's an 80s action movie. Commando-esque, you know, you killed my partner. I'm going to arm up, team up with my new Japanese partner, and we're going to come kill you guys. You know, you kill us, we'll kill you right back, goddammit, type action movie logic. But the problem is when they hired the wrong Scott. Right? Like they went and hired Ridley Scott to make this instead of Tony Scott. And instead of an action movie, he's trying to make like a thriller. But they didn't update the script to be a thriller. They just are still using an action movie script. 
so it's got like this dark, gloomy atmosphere. Everything's kind of moving slow. We're treating it as though there's a mystery, but there really isn't. Um, and then all the action stuff kind of doesn't feel right because we're not in a big, dumb action movie. So when guys are riding around on motorcycles swinging katanas, you're like, that doesn't really make sense in this crime thriller that they're trying to create. I actually thought it actually looks more like a Tony Scott movie than a Ridley Scott movie. Oh, I disagree. I think it looks like a Ridley Scott movie. It's oh, I'm dumb, no. it's I'm just dark doubly... and neon. It reminded me of, of the atmosphere from Blade Runner, actually. I was going to say, I'm, I'm doubly upset about this because I fucking love Ridley Scott. And the fact that this movie exists and it's a Ridley Scott movie and it blows. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really had trouble holding my attention because everybody's being so serious. But mm. at the end of the day, again, it's 80s action logic being applied. And if, you know, if this was moving at the pace of an 80s action movie, then it would only be an hour and a half. And yeah. there'd be a couple of extra explosions and we wouldn't have quite as much ridiculousness. You know, well, and like the a lot of the character development in this movie doesn't exactly make fucking sense. So. One of the things that's going on is obviously Michael Douglas's character is under investigation from internal affairs who are the bad guys because this is a copaganda movie like all fucking American movies that involve police officers. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're trying to set you up to maybe think that his partner is actually the crooked one because he's wearing the expensive suits and he's kind of that cavalier weird detective guy. But then the big reveal three quarters of the way through the movie is, of course, that Michael Douglas is a crooked cop and did take yeah. money. Yeah, but, but it's but, OK because he explains it away that cops need uh, extra money for stuff. Yeah, yeah. That he just that he was broke and get, going through a divorce and that excuses oh. taking bribes. Can we but, can we can we get into the fact that he's like you got private school to pay for. And it's like, fuck you. You're stealing because you, because you want your kid to go to private school. And they're, they play it up as if that is a, they play it up as if that's a valid argument. Yeah. Your kid could go to public school if you were doing a better job of keeping the neighborhood safe. <laughs> yeah. Like concentrate on doing the actual work instead of your, yeah, like well, it's, it, it's really bad logic when they get into why he says it's okay for police to take bribes. I was going to say, but then like the the whole plot of the movie and the message of the movie at the end is sometimes you have to go outside the law to get shit done. And it's like, you, no, no. But the whole no, the whole thing is that Michael Douglas is a fucking crooked cop and you're yeah. justifying him being a crooked cop, which is fucking weird. See, he, he's corrupted a pretty decent uh, Japanese cop. Yeah, right. He, right. That dude's yeah. actually doing the right thing and he's good at his job. And Michael Douglas fucks his whole life up. But again, I think this is this is exactly the point I was making, because in Commando, it's like, well, they kidnapped your daughter. OK, so you can shoot a rocket launcher, police, you can kidnap people, you can steal a plane. All that's just OK. And the reason it's OK is because we're watching a big, dumb action movie and no one gives a shit. And we're just having a lot of fun, right? In yeah. this, because they play it up so serious and so dark and Michael Douglas is in it instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like. I'm looking for these messages. I'm asking these questions and it's revealing the fact that, well, wait a minute. Why are they saying it's okay to steal? Why are they saying that? Why are they acting like the cops who are doing the right thing are are the bad guys, you know, in, in a movie like this, it should have been that Michael Douglas 
knew his partner was corrupt, was loyal to his partner, but that he had never actually done anything wrong. And that's why he was the one having the financial difficulties, right? That would be the logic. That's what you see in movies. Like, think about like fucking the Nolan Batman movies. That's what was going on, right? That, that, you know, Gordon wouldn't take the, he was considered the good guy because he wouldn't take the bribe, even though he didn't necessarily do everything he could to stop it. That that's what a good cop would do in those circumstances. You can have that sort of gray area where his loyalties are mixed. But the idea that he's a criminal and that somehow that makes him better than the cops who aren't criminals is ridiculous. And and again, it's it's stupid 80s action movie logic, but told in a movie that doesn't want to be a stupid 80s action movie. Yeah, I mean, the so the ending of the movie, so I think we forgot to mention that this is all about a counterfeiting thing. <laughs> like, Yeah, but that's, that's irrelevant. Completely yeah, it's, it's, unimportant. Yeah, it's completely yeah. unimportant. But the movie ends with after the big raid on the compound where they murder, oh, I don't know, 12 dozen people and there's no consequences. Right. Uh, they... They're at the airport and good Japanese cop is talking to Michael Douglas and basically saying, you know, what's weird about this whole thing is that the the counterfeiting engraving plates went missing and they never were able to find him in the burned down building. And, you know, and Michael Douglas is implying of, yeah, if somebody had those, they could really make a lot of money and all this kind of stuff. And then the big reveal is he gives him a gift and whenever he opens it hidden underneath it are the engraving plates. But the problem with that is, is that's supposed to show, like, growth that he didn't steal counterfeiting plates and begin a counterfeiting ring? Because that's that's the height of morality in this movie. (laughs) But he's starting a counterfeiting ring. (laughs) I I was going to say, but once again, he gave them to the Japanese cop. And now what the fuck is he supposed to do with them? Because Michael Douglas stole them from the crime scene. Let let me remind you that, okay, yeah, fine. He stole the stuff from the crime scene. Yes, he killed dozens of people. But to be fair, he was in the country illegally because he'd been ordered to leave and put on a plane and then snuck back in, right? So when you think about it that way, this was like the third or fourth crime down the list at this point. <laughs> he can't be expected to be charged with all of them. He wasn't even supposed to have according, a gun. According to Japanese law, if you've already committed two crimes, you can't be tried for the third crime because it's a freebie. I think it's like Trump logic, right? It's like if I do enough bad shit, like it'll just be a mosaic and people won't be able to follow what the fuck is going on. So it's like I'm in the country illegally. I've got my gun that I'm not supposed to have. I'm corrupting this cop. I'm murdering that guy. I'm stealing this shit. And they're like, oh, f- just fucking go home. Just go home. We can't handle this. Yeah. And I mean, and part of the whole thing is so halfway through the movie turns into the revenge movie because the partner gets killed. But the Mm -hmm. only reason why the partner gets killed is because they weren't obeying the rules in the first place and they were chasing around Yakuza members that they had no fucking business chasing around. Yeah. So the morality lesson would be you got your partner killed by not following the rules. You better learn to start following the rules. But what's yeah, fun about yeah, that? Prob- probably a good plan. What's fun about that, though? There's nothing fun about obeying the rules. Hey, there wasn't, it, there wasn't really anything it. fun about them breaking the rules either. So it's a wash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of a good point. It's not a particularly fun movie. Yeah. I mean, like like we talked about in the Discord, I just I'll never cease to be baffled by how the fuck do people think that Michael Douglas is supposed to play a badass in anything? Yeah, Michael like, Douglas is a great actor. 
he's great. And he plays an excellent uh, sleazeball or asshole boss. Yeah. The end. Like Even <laughs> – even police detective, if he was just a kind of a jerk police, like a, a dirty right. cop, I could see him playing that. Yeah, I'll even accept I, I will even accept romantic interest because there's a couple comedy movies in which he's the romantic interest and it's fine. <laughs> but badass, he is not. No. He is, Remember he when he was a short little dude with a stupid 80s mullet. <laughs> Remember <laughs> when he was the uh, wish version of Indiana Jones? Oh God! <laughs> what, was, what the hell was the name of that movie? Uh, Romancing the Stone Romancing and Jewel of the Nile. I have never seen those. They're all right. God fucking damn it, Michael Douglas! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really frustrating movie because, in my opinion, it looks really great, and if if you had the right script and the right characters to tell this like dark drama and this like crime thriller about this cop who's been dragged into this investigation in Japan. Like there's a story there that could work. The problem is that that they don't tell that story. That's not what they're doing. And this revenge plot that kicks in is just contrary to everything else that's going on. And it causes you to stop and go, well, wait a minute is it right to murder a whole bunch of Japanese people because some other Japanese people killed your partner? And the answer is probably no. The answer is probably don't commit murder. But in this movie's logic, like, again, in in commando logic, where it's like you just are allowed to kill whoever you want, then that holds up. But in in a more serious-toned film, it's like, no, that doesn't work, man. Probably my favorite thing about this old movie is that it's set in. So, you know, we always talk about 80s grimy New York, which is so great. Yeah. Uh, And we always forget about 80s and 90s uh, cyberpunk dystopia Japan. Yeah. Where somehow it's always nighttime and you're always inside of a market inside of a giant warehouse somehow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, that's not true because they go to that karaoke bar. Um, they meet that one white girl who's there so that they can have her sort of be a love interest without accidentally doing anything interracial. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they, they do all this stuff. The neon lights. I thought, I think it looks cool again. I think it, I don't know why it's always night in Japan. I guess like everything's under a dome to protect them from Godzilla or something in movie logic. <laughs> But it look it looks great when they're like running around in the dark and you know everything's kind of lit by neon and you're right there's way too many markets that are open late at night for some reason and there's always like a a fence in just the wrong spot so that if your partner's about to get killed you can watch but you can't get to him to help. I bet, I bet you could recut this movie in a creative way and make like a sort of cyberpunk neo-noir detective movie about the Japanese cop character and just cut Michael Douglas and his partner completely out of the movie. (laughs) And And it would be pretty dope. You know what you could have is you could have a version of this movie where that cop ends up having like when all said and done, having to arrest the Michael Douglas character for taking his revenge and have it end with Michael Douglas going to prison for being a corrupt cop who commits many, many murders. That's or how. Michael Douglas 
uh, surfs out into the uh, the waves of Japan to catch that one last giant wave and vanishes. And then the Japanese like, cop just tosses his badge into the ocean and walks yeah. away. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this movie is ridiculous. It's just, yeah. Like, I, w- I would like to know how many people listening to this understand that reference. Well, didn't we cover Point Break on the podcast? I think I think we did. Yeah, no, so. I've never seen Point Break. What? Yeah. Oh, no, so nice. Brian didn't even get the goddamn reference. I understood, <laughs> I, I understood the reference just because of the pop culture. All right. Well, that, uh, guess what? That's going on the list. That's uh, there's there's no way that movie is something <laughs> is, else. Is there is there somehow we could do a theme of people committing crimes in masks of presidents? <laughs> Well, we'll look into it. There, we'll has have, we'll, be, there has to be more than one. We'll do some research on that after after we're done recording so that the listeners don't have to be directly involved in this discussion. I mean, we could do Point Break and then do the Point Break remake. Fuck you, Brian. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I saw um, that shit in theaters. I think, and I, I think I saw it on Christmas Day and it almost ruined my holiday. Oh. Double check that factually to see if that's correct but i think it's true i don't i don't even know why you would do that because listen i like watching point break and point breaks a shitty movie <laughs> i don't point think, break. I, don't, break I don't think is, i'd want to uh, see somebody trying to do it again well don't worry they didn't but point break is not that i like tangents but now we're on one it's <laughs> it, it is the good version of what this film is trying to be because it is big dumb action nonsense and therefore when when you know the plot gets ridiculous and we're like okay this guy's gonna go try to arrest the red hot chili peppers but he slept over at his girlfriend's house the night before so he's almost (laughs) late and we're like all right it's fine like it's like who cares because we're watching this silly ridiculous movie with gary Busey in it so it's fine like and and that's that's what they don't understand in this movie is that when you bring in a more serious dark thriller type tone, you can't then use that logic. You have to bring in better logic to go with that because you're slowing your movie down and giving your audience time to think about it. Yeah. So this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think it looks great. I think there's a number of spots in this movie where you could like freeze frame it and have a cool picture. Um, the problem is that the story is, first of all, there's not enough story for the runtime. And second of all, it's not well told. And then third of all, you get into all these issues with the morality and the, just the, not the nonsensical nature of the storytelling, despite the fact that they, they're not trying to be fun. Do you pretty much agree, Brian? Cause I haven't really got that from you yet. Or do you, um, no, I pretty much agree. It's okay. it's it's way too long is yeah. the big problem. If they tightened up a lot of this, I think it would play a lot better. Um, but there's just like too much like like I think you said or somebody, I don't know, maybe inferred it. There's like three movies going on in this. And I mean, normally I guess you would say that's the three act structure, but there's like three completely different like stories going on in each section. Yeah. And they try to like make it make sense of how they flow into each other, but it really doesn't. Like one of them just sort of stops. And then, like you said, 
Ed's partner dies, so it becomes a completely different movie. Yeah, and yeah. Like if, if he had gotten involved in the investigation and ended up having to take down the counterfeiting ring, and that was sort of the big ending of the movie, was that he helped arrest the leaders of this counterfeit ring. That'd be a, there's a story that could have been told there, right? Yeah. Like, but the, yeah. It, yeah, that's not what happens. So. Nope. And you know when you said it's partner gets killed so that's a whole another thing we got to get into um there's yakuza stuff going on in the states and they have to travel with them to japan but hand them off to the wrong people that's a whole another situation and then the uh the japanese police don't seem very interested in working with them on stuff and i think one of them even points out like are you working with these guys because you just let that dude like get away but then like there's never anything that's sort of followed up on with that. I did or, sort of enjoy the scenes um, where they're in the Japanese police station and Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia are like trying to be like, they want to like take over this case. And the Japanese cops are like, you're not cops here. You're not even allowed to carry a gun. And then after a while, they're like, you guys can come along as observers, but you're not police here. You can't do this. And they're like trying to get information. And the Japanese cops are like, no. Like, just because you're white doesn't make you the heroes of this story. You don't, you're not entitled to all this confidential information because you're not a Japanese police officer who works in this precinct. Like, that's not how it works. And I, I did, I, I kind of thought it was funny to watch them get all frustrated, but also I liked that little bit of realism. And I liked that some of the cops, like, had no idea how to speak English and they're just like trying to interact and they're like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. The, yeah. the whole deportation <laughs> scene's the best because basically the chi- the Japanese chief of police is like, we told you the rules. You broke all the rules. You've committed several crimes. Get the fuck out of the country now like leave <laughs> then michael douglas is like now i gotta go rogue to save the day and and, and by this point in the movie you're kind of on the the chief of police side and you're like no you need to go home dude you need to yeah. go fucking around <laughs> no and that's like absolutely the correct answer is you go the fuck home because you are mm-hmm. not welcome here yeah and all that stuff is really interesting like you said the stuff at the police station is interesting um, but their philosophy is, oh, well, fuck that. We're just going to do whatever. And so they just break every rule, go to every crime scene they're not allowed to go to. And the chief just keeps showing up and like throwing his hands up in the air. Like, what are these fucking guys doing here? But then like, yeah, like, like nothing happens for like a majority of the movie. And then finally they're like, no, you need to go home. And I'm like, oh, now they need to go home. They didn't yeah. need to go home like <laughs> an hour and a half ago. I mean, you're right. They should have gone. <laughs> they should have gone hour and a half earlier. Yeah, it's, exactly. But again, like uh, you can give the film enough like leeway to be like, okay, well, look for the purposes of this, for the purposes of this storytelling, we're going to say, okay, these American cops are going to keep pushing it and keep pushing it until the Japanese cop let them help with the investigation. And then because Michael Douglas is the hero of the movie, he's going to be the one that takes down the big ring at the end. That That's an interesting story that you can kind of get away with telling. But I don't know. It's just you're really pushing your luck with some of this stuff. Yeah. So too much going on. Cut some of it out. Like, even really, the internal affairs stuff doesn't really play that much into the movie. 
Like they're just no. trying to they're just trying to use that as like, see, he could be a bad cop. And it's like, yeah, but we we've already kind of figured out he probably is a bad cop. You don't need to tell us that. Yeah. The whole thing is like too, like where they're like like why are why do they expose him as being a corrupt cop? What is the point of that? Like it's it's very strange. Yeah. So I don't know. I was kind of excited to watch this movie and I was I was kinda of let down by it. Yeah. I don't I've been avoiding this movie because of the cover art for years. <laughs> uh for some reason, I had something more in line with Cobra. And I don't think that would have been any better because, as you said, like Michael Douglas could not have pulled that role off either. No. But yeah, I don't know. Oh. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us about The Hunted with your yeah. favorite, Christopher Lambert? Stop. St- stop me if you've heard this movie plot before. So a guy hooks up with a hot chick at a bar and has a night of passion and then gets embroiled into her murder. <laughs> what? Mm. I've, I've never heard this plot before. Uh, but in this case, it's a J- Japanese ninja cult, <laughs> which, <laughs> fuck yes. Is it not a samurai cult? No, no, they're a Japanese ninja cult. Yeah. And then he is approached by a Japanese samurai cult who opposed the ninja cult. <laughs> Wait, this is a Japanese samurai versus Japanese ninja movie. Yes, it is. Oh, uh, I almost wish I'd been able to find a copy of this. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically the plot we end up with is 200 years ago, this Japanese cult wiped out an entire family. And the last surviving member of that family has now been training for decades to become the greatest samurai swordsman to challenge the mysterious leader of the Japanese ninja cult whose uh, leader he can't ever identify because no one has ever seen his face and lived until Christopher Lambert's character accidentally walks in while that lady's getting murdered. Uh, so he ends up out on the island. Of course, he gets trained to use the samurai sword by a crazy old drunk Japanese man, as is as is the way. Uh, and then it turns out that samurai guy is also kind of a piece of shit and has basically just been using Christopher Lambert in order to draw these people out. Not to he's been acting like he's been protecting him, but really it's just part of his plot to draw the guy out so that he can fight him and try to kill him. And he's willing to sacrifice a whole lot of people to get it done. Uh, as is seen in the train scene where we basically have samurai boy starting at one end of the train and ninja cult starting at the other end of the train. And ninja cult just kills their way through the entire train full of people to get to him. That's probably the best scene in the movie. That's it really, it really is. <laughs> Doesn't last nearly long enough. And again, this movie is way too long. Yeah, I'll I'll agree. It's too long. I don't I feel like there's a little bits of it that could have definitely been skipped. Because they didn't add a whole lot. Yeah, I feel I'm feeling you enjoyed this movie a little bit more than I did. I I don't know. I thought it was pretty great. I mean, it's it's, it's real. It slogs in a couple spots because it like slows way down too much. 
But the parts where it's going, it's fine. And they made a really weird decision in this movie of, of course, when there's an English-speaking person in the room, everyone Japanese is speaking in Japanese. But if there are only people speaking Japanese and nobody white is in the room, it will transition so that they're all speaking, quote, fingers English. Yeah, it does this weird, like, transition thing where you hear the English and the Japanese kind of overlaid over top of each other at first, and then it just goes straight to English. Yeah, but, which I thought was a cool idea to kind of show, you know, it's shorthand to tell you they're actually speaking Japanese, but this so that you can understand it. But they don't do that for every scene like that. Yeah. And I don't know if it was just the version we watched but there's no subtitles when they're speaking in Japanese. So you're like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on in a couple of these scenes. Mm. Cause like he walks off and they just keep speaking Japanese and you're trying to like infer what they're talking about. Mm. Yeah. I think it's probably just the version we watched. We, we had to search far and wide to watch this movie and Doug absolutely refused to watch it. So I the good, the put good my news foot is, down when I just hit play on the version you finally sent me, and it just kept buffering. It, it just kept so buffering. I, I even sent you a message about it. It literally does that twice, and then it gets going, and it doesn't do it again. Well, by that time, we were, we were, we'd move past anything else. It was several hours ago. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? <laughs> All right. Uh, the good news was, man, that was a crisp, clean version of that movie for how hard it was to find. I figured right. we were going to be watching like a VHS rip. Now, you can still buy it on like DVD and stuff. It's just it is not streaming anywhere. And there is no digital copy like up on YouTube or whatever. So pretty much hard copy is the only way you can really watch it. it so you were talking we were talking about the fact that I, I love Christopher Lambert, right? Yeah, and I and I do because I like him is is the 80s action guy because they never try to oversell him as a badass. Does does that make sense? Because like they do it in this movie, too, but even a Highlander like Highlander, he's good at sword fighting, but they never try to be like he can fuck anybody up. It's like, no, he gets he gets fucking kicked around by the Kurgan through half the movie. <laughs> well, that was the most unbelievable part of this movie is the fact that he's the fucking Highlander. And they're like, he doesn't know how to use a sword. I'm like, that's bullshit. I've watched like 10 movies where he used a sword just fine. Right. But but I was going to say, but it, it kind of it works in this movie because he's supposed to be this guy who kind of is just stuck in the middle and then the big end fight with the ninja guy, he, of course, gets to win the fight, but he wins the fight kind of by cheap shotting. <laughs> so yeah. the ninja guy already had to fight Samurai Dude and killed him, but that was a hard fight. And then Christopher Lambert kind of stabs him in the shoulder from the back. So he so the ninja guy has to fight him left handed in which they make a point in the movie that no one in Japan trains left-handed with weapons because it's shameful. Yeah. It's, it's shameful to be left-handed. They pull that. Yeah. 
specifically with weapons. They said specifically using a sword in your left hand is is some kind of big no no. Oh, here you go, Noah. The uh, the Blu-ray has a work print version with extended alternate and deleted scenes. Ooh. So it means it's even longer. I don't know. Like I said, I, I really didn't have that much of a problem with it. It, like, it dragged, dragged in spots, but it's a long movie, so that's just going to happen. 17 bucks, Noah. You can own yeah. it. I don't quite... I, I feel like they could have cut one of the two things. So either not have the whole Lambert's character getting chased across the city through the the Plachinko casino and all that kind of stuff. Like although, although I read about that casino and it was actually pretty interesting. Is there something specific about it? Uh, that specific place they were at, like that section of whatever city, uh, Tokyo, I, I assume. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you're not allowed to gamble. There's no gambling. It's illegal. Right, right. But you can exchange pachinko balls. But you can, yeah, you can exchange you can exchange those pachinko balls and get prizes. And then usually there's like a pawn shop like right next door that you can then sell your prizes for money if you want. <clears throat> and most people believe the Yakuza runs those uh, pawn shops. Probably. I was going to say, you either cut that or you cut some of the stuff once they get to the island. But I, yeah, you just I, feel, need, I did feel like that went on like crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, because you don't need both. I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, they, yeah, they, they kind of just do. They try to do too much stuff and you don't need to do all the things. And the fact that kind of uh, mixed into all this is the fact that perhaps Christopher Lambert's character is being uh, guided by Japanese ghost magic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you guys not? Why didn't you guys bring that up till now? Well, because it's not a firmly established thing, but the bad guys once again are in a cult and they think that maybe this girl they murder at the beginning, that her soul attached to white boy. And and that is what's causing him to lose his uh, quote fingers power. Because he thinks he's this unstoppable ninja machine. And then Christopher Lambert's character keeps kind of having dreams about her. Handing him a sword and all this weirdness. Yeah. We forgot to mention she knew she was going to be murdered too. And was like perfectly fine with it. Didn't bother. Well, that's that's the big lesson at the end of the movie that Lambert's like, you know what? She faced her death bravely and maybe I should quit being a pussy. (laughs) We find out she is a. uh, She was essentially sold by her. Was it her uncle or her father? I don't remember. Something like that. And uh, she was bought by some guy who essentially pimped her out and then. uh, Told her if she ever, you know, left him, he would hunt her down and kill her. So, of course, she left him and pretty much knew she would end up getting murdered at some point. That wasn't yeah. that exciting. I don't know if we really needed that whole. They could have, she could have just been like, no, I don't want to die and then been murdered. And the story could have unfolded the same way. 
Yeah, but then we don't have Japanese ninja ghost magic. <laughs> I guess so. That does sound like actually a really good point. I feel like if I'd watched the movie, I would want there to be ghost magic in it. Yeah, I feel, I feel like you really missed out, Doug, because you watched the shitty one. And this one was actually pretty all right. I'm not going to pretend like this is a great movie. But it was good enough. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't tell people not to watch it. It's it's probably worth it just for the uh, the train scene, because I don't. Especially since what's do you remember his name? The the samurai character. Is it Hikaru or something like that? I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. It's a samurai character. It like he legit comes off as a badass. And so I don't I don't know. There's something extra convincing about that scene where it's just him mowing through uh, fucking ninjas on a train. And then there's this cool scene where, once again, Christopher Lambert is the only one who's ever seen the guy's face that he's trying to kill. So he walks him through the train and he's like, is that with him? No. Is that with him? No. Is that with him? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, again, you you enjoy this way more than I did. <laughs> I thought I mean, it was you wouldn't, you wouldn't really slow. Uh, C, maybe. Okay. Um, like, it wasn't terrible, but like you said, it does slog in parts just because it's so goddamn long. During those parts, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to look at my phone. And then probably missed some better parts because I really wasn't paying as much attention as I should have. Plus, plus the, the movies with Lambert in them are always distracting because every time he speaks, you're trying to figure out what the fuck exactly his nebulous accent is. <laughs> I was even specifically listening to this and I'm just like, I don't know where he's supposed to be from. Yeah, you're like, is he French? Because he doesn't sound French. Well. Oh. There can be only one. <laughs> is he French Canadian? It's he like he doesn't sound French Canadian either. I was going to say, it's like a cross between French and fucking Wario. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. I just want now there to be like a behind the scenes interview where he reveals that that's exactly what he was going for. Well, I was going for something between French and Wario, but, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what my influences were. Well, but it's it's not even acting. That's It's just the way he talks. I just don't understand what the fuck his accent is. Where the hell did that <laughs> accent come from? Is it fake? Did he have a fake accent through his whole career? <laughs> Here, let's let's Google where is Christopher Bear from? Um, <laughs> place of birth, Great Neck, New York. What? There's a, a <laughs> yeah, that's not French a... population in Great Neck, though. Everyone knows that. I would see, but once again, that's not a New York accent. What the fuck is that accent? Oh, here we go. Uh, where did Christopher Lambert grow up? Which would be a different story. Apparently, he grew up in Geneva, a French dip, 
A French diplomat. Uh, uh, his father was a French diplomat to the United Nations. His father was Jewish. Stuart, whose father's work, Lambert, moved with his parents to Switzerland at the age of two and raised in Geneva until his teenage years when the family moved to France and settled in Paris. Okay, so he's got like a a French-Swedish hybrid accent. Is that what it is? <laughs> I guess so. Because that's strange enough that I'm like, okay, I buy it. That's That makes sense. Uh Apparently yeah. he's he's the only one. He's the only one with that specific combination. <laughs> he is the only one. Of a fucking French and the Swedish chef, apparently. <laughs> there can yeah. be only one a borka bark bark. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, what everybody watched since last episode? Things. Uh, did I talk about dangerous breeds last time? I think I did. Uh, I don't the, remember the, the docu series about Teddy Hart. Oh yes, yeah. you did. Yes, yes you did. okay. Yeah. Okay, I was just making sure. So I'll just reiterate the fact that man, Teddy Hart's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did watch the first two episodes of Willow. As did I. Which it's good. Although episode two makes me a little nervous in the fact that I feel like they might be luking Willow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, because I was kind of expecting the show to progress forward and for Willow to take the the spot of Rizelle, the uh, the good wizard ass from the movie. Yeah. And instead they're like. No, he became a sorcerer, but he's also still a Weasley little boy. And you're like, ah, that, that feels like that's moving backwards in story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He is playing it up more like his character from. Uh, uh, what the fuck was his show? Oh, yeah. Life short, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Where he's trying to explain stuff to his village of everybody and um, everybody's just sort of like, oh, it's that Willow again. Well, he's like, no, no, I swear it's good things. And nobody believes him. Well, I think it's I think what they were trying to do is kind of show you the different parallels. So, like I said, I thought it was supposed to be moving toward he's Rizel now. And instead, he's Billy Barty's character. <laughs> yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, because that's true. Yeah. Um, so my worry is that uh, I feel like some of these episodes, the story, I don't feel like is going to be worth them stretching it out over so many episodes. Um. Because, like, we have the movie, and they're able to accomplish a lot in that movie within an hour and a half or however long that is. Um, 
and I feel like they're gonna they're trying to do similar things in the show, but now they each episode's like an hour or fifty minutes or whatever it is, and uh, it seems like they're really trying to stretch some stuff out, and it's just like ah, but you guys are able to accomplish all of this stuff like in uh, in an hour and a half in the movie. Why is this like? Why do I feel like you're trying to trying to stretch it out just to make more episodes? And yeah. maybe it won't be that bad going forward, but for these two episodes, I'm just like, wow. So there's a, there's an episode and a half where this girl's just like, oh, I have to learn magic, but I don't know magic. And we spend all that time with her just saying a bunch of words, trying to say them correctly. Like, oh, okay. So... We're literally going to do this for seven episodes before she finally figures out how to use magic properly. Yeah. One of the things I was surprised by. So the all the bad guys in the movie were scary, but I would call it fantasiful. You know, you know what I mean? Like they're all fantasy bad guys. And man, some of the bad guys in the TV show, those are straight up like horror movie creatures. I was like, wow, they went real fucking dark. I wasn't kind of expecting that. Yeah, they're really cool, though. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. So 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 far, I'm sold. We'll see. I'm I'm a little worried because I don't want I just don't want the Willow character just to be a never ending butt of the joke because it's I mean, the whole point of the movie was him becoming a hero you know yeah yeah i'm gonna keep watching i'm hoping that the stuff i'm saying doesn't come to fruition but you know the brownies got to be coming soon so oh yeah they were in a trailer somewhere so yeah uh so yeah so watch that watch violent night because of course i fucking did mm-hmm. we're do gonna we talk about do, that i was gonna say do we want to do a spoilery one at the end we're gonna talk about violent night next week Oh my god We had a conversation You guys did not pay attention to what was happening No I thought you wanted to do the other thing We're doing two things Oh okay We can do two things Okay Two things Jesus Christ Holy shit Okay Well then I will hold off talking about uh, Violent Nine Well there's Well next week we're not going to be talking about other stuff we watch So it's just going to be Two movies we're reviewing and then the, the the making up our own movie stuff yeah yeah that's it. i will that's it. i will i will just say go go see it if you did if you didn't go see it go see it. go see it in imax yeah i don't understand why these movies on imax but you sure as shit <laughs> so, know that so, i went and saw it i actually went and saw this with somebody else which is pretty unusual for me and then they're like well we don't need to see this in imax right and i'm like like, we we don't. don't, we don't, but we should. Nah, all right. It was one of those. I went to first... a friend too, and I'm like, we're going to see this on IMAX. And it's a good thing I owe you 20 bucks because I'm just going to buy your ticket for you. And we're going to call that even. My first thought walking out of the theater was, you know, with AMCA list, I could just go back and see this three more times in IMAX. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Over the course That's of the next week. I can see myself seeing it again before the end of the Christmas season. So watch that. Uh, started some of my usual Christmas rewatch stuff, but for the most part of the movies I watch every year, and I don't think we need to go into too deep a detail about gremlins. 
Guess, guess guess what? Gremlins is fucking great, and it's what? still great. Holy shit! Controversial. Shut. Controversial. Never, yeah, it will never not be great. And I was talking about it at work, and somebody said it was dumb, and I just about lost my temper on them. <laughs> it was really close. I was like, hey, hey, hey. "You're almost done with that job anyway." I would have snapped at them. Yeah, I was like, "Nope, nope." People can have opinions. People no, can have no. opinions, no matter how fucking stupid their opinion is. No, yeah, that's not right. Ugh, it's great. And a bunch of people were trying to argue that it wasn't a Christmas movie. They were like, it's just a Chris, uh, movie that like is set around Christmas time. And I was like, no, Gremlin straight up is a Christmas movie. There's like no if, ands, or buts. It is not just Christmas themed. It is like all Christmas. He gets Gizmo for Christmas. Right. Fuck everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. I just I don't understand the argument about it not being a Christmas movie. People are monsters. You got to stop yeah. talking to people. Never talk to another human being. They're all terrible. <laughs> I agree. So did that. I'm trying to think if I watched anything else. I started watching Troll, but I haven't finished it, so I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to see it. I haven't seen it yet. So, so, about, so far, it the, seems all right. What if we mix ex-presidents with dead presidents? There's a movie called Dead Presidents. Ooh. Yeah. That's about a heist. <laughs> from random yeah. <laughs> train of thought switch. It is about guys uh, not, robbing a bank. Not a switch for me. You guys talked about Willow, which I haven't seen, so I had some free time, and I started doing some work on other things. All right. There's our, there's yeah. our show. Yeah. I've put together several other shows, too, as well, while doing this research. So Sweet. I'll update the list. <laughs> what'd you watch doug um i also watched some holiday stuff for well first thing i watched i i'd never seen this before and it's so uh, everyone started talking about it because apparently it's like thanksgiving was your guys's thanksgiving so i watched planes trains and automobiles for the first time oh yeah oh, okay. first time huh that's yeah it's just it's i don't know why i i'm like I, re- I knew certain iconic scenes from it, but I'd never actually sat and watched it. So then somebody brought it up and I'm like, oh, I think I should watch that. So I did. John, it, John I mean, Candy. Can we just say John Candy was a shared national treasure between Canada and the United States? No, you cannot have them. Well, we're taking them because <laughs> we will. <laughs> like, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was I mean, trying to be nice and share them with you, you son of a bitch. The thing about John Candy in this movie in particular and in a lot of the movies is like he can be loud and bombastic and rude and he can be the one that's like causing all the trouble but then he's just got that lovableness to him and that caring inside him like in in this movie specifically he talks about how much he loves his wife a couple of times and you're just like how could you not like that guy even though he's fucking up everything in your life (laughs) how would you not love that fucking guy so it makes total sense that Steve Barton's character who is having his life destroyed by this individual is constantly just able to kind of, you know, keep forgiving him and bringing him back in. So, and I think that's what like a lot of modern comedies are missing that eighties comedies had and nineties comedies were, were actually pretty good at this. It's like, they have like that a little bit of an emotional element to them that makes you a little bit more invested in the actual story and not just laughing at the individual jokes. 
which I, I think makes them better. I think it makes them a lot more rewatchable and they stand up a lot more to the test of time. It's it's easily in the top three buddy road movies of all time. That's a very specific <laughs> subgenre, but there's a lot of those. Well, there's there's a lot of them. It's not like yeah. It's right. like I, I would put it Dutch and uh, what's the Chris Farley, David Spade one? Tommy, Tommy boy? boy, Tommy boy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, there's so many that I, I don't want to try to put together a list right now, but I can't argue with any of the ones you're putting on there. They're all great. I haven't seen Dutch in a long time. I need to rewatch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's been a while since yeah, I've seen it's, it. It's, I mean, it's so good. It's it's weird too because it's almost like family friendly and they added in like some swearing and stuff just to get their rated R. <laughs> I'm like, why why'd you do that? I guess could have could have gotten away with the PG thirteen and had a bigger audience. Eighties. It was the eighties. Nobody cared. I guess kids were just sneaking into theaters back then or whatever anyway. Mm. So well, really I was matter. gonna say and the and the eighties, if I remember correctly, if you were rated R, sometimes it would actually bump the theater attendance, which is strange. You know, now it's you do everything you can to keep it PG. But yeah, I guess it was yeah, you had that post uh, like post Porky's was still you're still riding that wave of like R rated comedies doing really well. Mm-hmm. So people were, I guess, encouraged to go see them. Um, so I followed that up with uh, a rewatch of. Arguably the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. Jack Ketchum's <laughs> Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door. Oh, Jesus uh, Christ, Doug. Minor tonal shift. Um, I've, I've still not seen that movie because I'm just like, I will kill myself after I watch it. You might. Um, it's it's a hard one to watch. Like, you know, the plot of it, basics, the basics of it. Uh, well, I know some girl gets... Uh, uh, I don't know if kidnap's the right word, but being sort of held hostage down in this basement. And what is it? A mom and her son or something just like yeah. torture the living shit out of her mom. And yeah. And some, some sons, several of them. And it, okay. but the thing that makes it so horrific is that it's told entirely from the perspective of a, the kid that lives next door. Hence the girl next door. And he's, you know, he's friends with these people before this girl comes to stay with them and ends up becoming the victim of their abuse. And he sort of has like a crush on this girl. And it's also set in like the 1950s. So he's like watching this happen. He's mortified by it. And there's nothing he can do because no one listens to children when they when they tell you that other children need help. And so as things just progressively get worse and worse and worse and like the torture scenes and stuff are in full effect. They're very effective. But what makes it so uncomfortable is that there's just this kid who could help if people would just fucking listen and they don't. And it's just so hard to watch. And I mean, uh, I find it, I find it very difficult to sit through. I remember when I read the book, I like on several occasions, put it down and was like, I'm not finishing this. And then I just was like, but I got to know what happens next. <laughs> so I just kept picking it back up. So, yeah. And was it, isn't that supposed to be based on some true 
Like I think Jack Jack Ketchum just heard about something and kind of built his own story around it. But yeah, so there is a true story about this mother who put this girl in this basement and tortured her, and their like neighborhood kids like knew about it and kind of got involved in a way. Um, but yeah, it, it is like Jack Ketchum wrote a fictionalized version of that. It's not like directly based on true events, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, like, I think the other one happened. I don't know when it happened, but I don't, like he set this in the fifties because Jack Ketchum's, Jack Ketchum's writing style is very much along with Stephen King's words. Like the real horror is the people doing nothing about the horror. <laughs> so, um, that's, you know, that whole, that fifties aesthetic really plays into it. Uh, you want, want me to switch back to something happy? Uh, sure. I got, I got tired of seeing Beverly D'Angelo themed Christmas movies in the theater that I'm not allowed to talk about this week. So I went and saw another <laughs> one that I am allowed to talk about. Um, I went and saw Christmas vacation on the big screen and it just makes me so happy. I just, I don't know if we really need to get into a detailed discussion of it, but I fucking love that movie. I may be about the only person on the planet that thinks that movie is just okay. Really? Yeah. I just don't understand. I just love it. Like, I just, it's all right. I'm not like, I don't hate it or anything, but the way people love that movie, I'm just like, I don't understand. Did you watch which, it as which, a kid? Which movie? I was battling a cat. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. I think it's just all right. I don't I don't understand that. It's like uh, in the discussion of my favorite Christmas movies. Sure. Um Yeah, I don't know. It's It's, it's just fine. You, you can enjoy it. I'm just I'm No, just and I'm not I'm not like I'm just, well, I'm just I'm more investigating why our opinions are so different. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I said, it's, it's fine. I just, uh, I don't know. It never, uh, never caught me. Theater's full. Did you see it as a kid? Or did uh, you try to watch it for the first time as an adult? I'm wondering if that could be. No, I saw it when I was younger, but I don't know how young I was. I think I may have been like a teenager. Maybe, maybe I missed the, uh, the prime age to watch it. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I do enjoy like regular vacation um never got too far into the european one it's all right but it's the european one is in my opinion like the letdown of the big three yeah. uh, because i know there's like some direct videos ones and stuff that are vegas vacation was a theatrical was it i've only seen that once and it's been a long time but i don't remember particularly enjoying it um but face yeah it's pretty hilarious yeah but yeah, Christmas vacation's fine. I just I don't know. Yeah, I love like it. like it would be more towards the bottom of my holiday movie list than top. Oh. People, that's really strange. One thing I did notice about it this time around, because um, it came out in like 1989, right? And so it's like it's two years after Harry and the Hendersons that we watched last week. And it really feels like the family is almost referencing Harry and the Hendersons where it's like, they're driving a similar car and it's like the mom and the dad and like the two kids and Chevy Chase's hairline is even similar to John Lithgow's ironically enough. So I thought that was kind of like, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I thought they were maybe referencing that. No, I don't know. 
just something I noticed because I happen to have watched the two movies like a week apart. So, um, I don't know. I watched a couple other holiday specials. I watched that Muppets one where they all go to the the farm. Uh, I had to watch it on YouTube with like old commercials yeah. in it, which was fun. Yeah, that's the best way to watch it. It's um, <laughs> see, I would watch that before I would watch Christmas Vacation because I absolutely love that. I, I love that one as well. I don't I think because it was like hard to find for so many years, it's not in my regular rotation. But oh. when I found it, I just figured I'd watch it. I actually saved a copy of it off that off of YouTube just so I would have it in case oh, it really? gets pulled. Yeah, I should probably do that, too. Yeah. Or you so, can send me yours. Yeah. Save, save yours somewhere where I have access to it. <laughs> uh, it's actually like you do with the rest of your digital stuff. So it's actually up on my Plex, so you can watch it up on there. Wait, so with Plex, I can watch stuff that you've saved to your hard drives and stuff? Yeah, that's the whole point of Plex. I don't really know how Plex works. I just downloaded it the other day because like a pop-up yeah. ad told me I should. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I connected it the other day. So you can, if you go yeah, down, I, go I, down. I saw, like, can, I saw your you name and I could see stuff there, but I just, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, that's that's movies that's on my computer hard drive that you can watch. Oh, so, so I should I should somehow give you access to mine too then. Yeah, sure. I'd have to like just I don't have yeah. like I, uh, like like you I'll said, we we could do that off air. I'm sure the listeners uh, <laughs> don't really care. I guess not, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just getting distracted because now I'm like, oh, that's how Plex works. That's interesting. Maybe I can yeah. Trust me, I can take advantage of that. I'm connected to a couple friends that have no problem downloading anything that's brand new. So, okay, watch all kinds of stuff because in my head, I didn't download it. Well, I I didn't break the law, but it's available to me. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's like to me. That's like when something's on YouTube or whatever, and it's just like it's not my fault. It's there. What am I supposed to do? Not watch it? Yeah. Or, or you go back to the old days where you used to buy illegal bootlegs of stuff, and it was like it was okay to buy it if it wasn't readily available in non-bootleg form. That, was, that somehow made you think it was okay. Yeah, that made that made perfect sense to me. I even remember being at like conventions where like cops would come in or what, whoever they were, and they'd be like looking at the boots, and they would actually be like, "Well, if it's not available elsewhere, then we're not going to bust you for selling these." <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> That Fair random enough. that random cop who's patrolling this uh, sales floor right now said that's the logic we can use. So I guess it is. <laughs> the one uh, the one new holiday special I watched, which I just watched tonight, is the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Have you guys seen that one? No. It was it was cute. Um, it's Lego Star Wars, so that means you don't have to worry about canon and stuff, and you don't have to get upset at it, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it ends up being like because the it's set post Episode Nine, so the First Order is destroyed. So now they've reinstated Life Day, which I guess was banned by the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> and as they're getting ready to celebrate, like Ray is trying to train Finn how to be a Jedi, but it's not going so well. So she goes to like a Jedi temple and she discovers this thing, which lets her travel through time. And naturally she travels to all these like big points in like the original trilogy and the prequels and stuff. 
And so it's sort of like on the one hand, we're getting like recreations of all these like fun moments from like the old movies, but also it's kind of a, a Christmas Carol type thing where she's learning lessons from watching the other Jedi's train their pad ones. Hmm. And then of course, like mayhem ensues when people start following her back through the portals. And then all of a sudden we get like, um, you know, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren are now like fighting over who gets to be the new apprentice to the emperor and stuff like that. <laughs> I do like with this Lego stuff that like, even in the Disney era, like they full on call themselves out for the nonsense, like <laughs> where it's like, they're like, they're self-aware enough that they'll make fun of the other complaints that people have about star Wars. So like when they're dealing with the emperor at one point, they're like, like Kylo Ren's explaining to the Emperor what's going to happen to him because they're in they're in Return of the Jedi at that point. And he he's like, no, like when Vader gets back, he's going to pick you up and throw you down that shaft. And there's no way anyone could ever come back from that. It's impossible. But he's like staring into camera doing like the meta joke. <laughs> and it's like. There's a lot of stuff like that. There's a moment where the two different versions of Han Solo, like old man Harrison Ford version and the young guy from Solo meet up and they see Greedo and they're like, do you want to shoot first? No, you can shoot first. And I'm like, that's fun. I like that. I like that. Those, those little meta jokes within the confines of these Lego movies. So that's I don't fun. know. Yeah, I always like, always like the Lego star Wars games. So I'm sure the cartoon yeah. would be a lot of fun. To watch. It's yeah, and these they apparently they do holiday specials. Like according to Disney Plus, there's like a Christmas or a summer vacation one, the Christmas one, there's a Halloween one. So you know. Nice. The idea of doing these holiday specials using Lego characters so that you can have your fun without fucking up canon is kind of nice. But um yeah, that's that's it, because I really want to talk about Violent Night, but I'm not allowed. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I watched a couple things. Uh, I, I made an appearance on Scott's podcast, so mm-hmm. I had. I'm sure I, re- you did. I rewatched uh, Return of the Living Dead, uh, which we don't need to go into. But uh, wait, do you like that? I mean, you know, it seems like something that somebody should like um definitely wasn't because i recommended it because it's an awesome movie and the other brian who's on the show who hasn't seen these movies definitely not something he should definitely watch because it's awesome yeah uh yeah i loved it of course it's great um and then the other thing i watched uh, a friend came over yesterday and the week last week we were going through just YouTube videos. He was talking about how much he loved Jack Black, just as a general person, which I agree with. Um, and I showed him the trailer for uh, High Fidelity, and he said he'd never seen High Fidelity before. So I was like, "Well, we can uh, solve that problem." So we watched it yesterday, and it's still absolutely delightful. I love that movie. And he ended up really enjoying it. It's just fun to see Jack Black just sort of go in full Jack Black mode. Yeah. Even before he was like a big star. It's 
the version of Jack Black that I like, which is like he's ridiculous and over the top, but he's not quite that cartoon character that he gets to be in some of his later stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> he's so good at it, especially when people come into the store and he just fucking hates customers. So he just mocks them the entire time. All that stuff's always great. Yeah. Uh, and I watched the first episode of uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. What do you think? Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how the rest of them go. Um, this one dealt with a guy who bought like a storage locker that had been abandoned. And shocking, something weird was inside of it. What? Yep. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I know what happened. <laughs> uh, it was. It's pretty good. Um, I do feel like they kind of drug out a lot of stuff. So maybe that's the theme of this week's episode. People stretching stuff out that maybe as far as they didn't really need to. Yeah. Um, uh, my take on that show, and I think I've seen I've seen the first two or possibly the first three is that um it just it's not great oh so like it, it's it's like creep show but it takes itself very seriously mm-hmm. and so like when you're like like you say like we know that that the story is pretty predictable we know that that box is going to have something that storage container is going to have something evil in it and blah 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 right and it's yeah. like that's it's okay to do that but when you're taking yourself so dead serious i find sometimes it's like you know, have a little fun here. We all like we all know you're being ridiculous and you're playing on the tropes and all that, and that's fine. But then don't be so serious about it. Man, maybe that's just my opinion, but yeah, that didn't bother me a whole lot. Um, one of the reasons I stopped watching the Creep Show show is because I was not really enjoying um, some of the comedic stuff that they were doing on that show. Okay. Uh, which is weird to say because that, that's what Creep Show is, but I feel like the show is just feels different, so it doesn't feel like the movies. Um, I agree with that. I agree with that. It doesn't feel like movies. The movies feel much more like horror stuff. Yeah. And so some of the stuff in the show, I've just been like, eh, not into this. And so I never finished season two. I think season three started this week. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see how the rest of the other episodes go. I've heard it kind of uh, middle of the road. Like some people really like it. Some people hate it. Yeah. Of the ones I've seen, I didn't hate any of them, but I also didn't keep watching it. So. Yeah. (laughs) Take that for what it's worth. Right. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I might like, and I, I might still go back and watch more. Like, there's no reason necessarily to think that I won't. Yeah, because it's only what six episodes, something like that. Eight episodes, something like that. But, and to some extent, it is like one of those ones where you're like, okay, I could, I could watch these individually anytime, and the question sort of becomes, well, are they? Do you just have to be in the mood to watch one? Right, like. Because it, it, I don't know, because it's so 
dark and serious. Maybe it maybe that's the issue. Maybe if I was just if I'd watched it like right before Halloween instead of trying to watch it after, maybe that would have changed things. Like bit more of a horror mood. Yeah. I've also been thinking about starting Night Gallery at some point too. I always want to go back and watch like those old ones, and I'm always just worried that I'm gonna A, I'm always worried that if if I like it, I'm gonna be that's all I'll watch for like months because it takes forever to get through some of those ones that have several seasons. And then B, I'm always like, if it doesn't hold up, I'm gonna feel bad for watching it. Like (laughs) it's almost better to have it out there possibly being good and possibly not. (laughs) Schrodinger's uh, anthology show. Yeah. Because there's a bunch of them that I've thought about going back to watch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Okay, for next week, uh, apparently my co-host did not understand the conversation we had. Um, It's going to be our Christmas show. Yay, Christmas show. Uh, So we're going to have a couple uh, super awesome guests on the show. And the idea is we're going to review... Something we don't usually do. We're doing brand new movies. We're going to review Violent Night and uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas, which comes out on Friday of the week that we are recording this. And I'm super excited. I've already seen one. I'm excited to see the other. Um, I will warn my co-hosts. I'm told by somebody who saw a sneak preview screening of it at a at a uh, horror movie marathon called Seasons Bleedings. Oh my god, that's great! I'm, yes. I'm already in favor of that marathon. <laughs> Which I'm jealous. Uh, not, we didn't do something like that around here. Uh, and they showed uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. They were supposed to show uh, Silent Night Deadly Night two, and then something came up at the last minute, and they had to drop it. So they were able to get Christmas Bloody Christmas instead. Uh. He said the first half is pretty dialogue heavy. There's a lot of just character building. Uh-oh. But he said then in the second half when shit goes crazy, like it goes full on crazy. So that's just a. Uh, if I can live with that. Preview warning, just so that everybody knows what to expect going in. Um, and then I'm still confused because you said we're going to have good guests next week. So I definitely wasn't paying attention to our <laughs> conversation. That's not what I thought, but okay. Um, and then instead of doing other stuff, we watched as a extra Christmas treat. Um, we're going to create our own crazy Christmas movies. And then we're going to pitch them to each other. And we all have to vote on which one we would like to see. And the thing is, you can't vote for your own. So each one of us is going to try to come up with our own kick-ass, crazy horror Christmas movie. Yeah. Wow. That, all right. That makes sense, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Doug's not I, very happy about this. That doesn't sound like something I would be good at. Never know. I'm going to Google it and try to steal one off the internet. It could be as detailed and or as uh, minimalistic as you want it to be. Well, the problem is like the greatest idea is still the Home Alone Gremlins crossover that we've already. Yeah. None of us are going to come up with anything as, Which, as good as that. 
Which uh, our super special guest uh, messaged me and said, if he has to go up against that idea, he's not going to participate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're, so. we're, we're throwing it out and anything similar. So you're not allowed to do better <laughs> watch out and critters. <laughs> <laughs> But it uh, seems like such a fun idea. Glorious. Uh, so, yeah, so it should be fun. Should be a good time. <laughs> As Doug goes into panic mode, what the fuck am I going to do? I'm not joking. Right. I might steal an idea off the internet. As I as right. I secretly start writing my script for uh, Home Alone Again slash Munchies. <laughs> 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 No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pick Home Alone. I picked that. Uh, the fuck's that movie? Uh, <laughs> Deadly Games or whatever the. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Deadly Games slash munchies. So you can't understand. You can't just cut these munchies up. They just make them multiply. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm definitely doing a crossover movie now because that's way easier than having an original thought. All right. <laughs> Whatever works for you, Doug. Just needs to. I, I wish I could just keep getting more and more obscure, but I'm running out of Home Alone ass movies to throw in. <laughs> well, there's like four Home Alones and then a remake, I think, on Disney Plus. So. <laughs> Home, Home Alone 3 and Blood Dolls. <laughs> Did you say hobo alone? Hobo, hobo. Oh my alone. god! Oh wow! Oh wow! We know what Brian's pitch is going to be. <laughs> I wonder if Rutger Hauer will sign up. Aww. Hobo alone with his shotgun. <laughs> uh, hobo alone. I'm writing that down. That's. We're going to end up with three pitches for Hobo Alone next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but people at my work, people I know in general who do not really like like weird genre movies, have been talking to me nonstop about this Cocaine Bear trailer. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched it. It was before Violent Night when I went and saw it, and oh, I mean, okay. like, it looks fine, but man, like, normies are like super excited about this movie. Yeah, not that not that I'm not, but I mean, it's a, it's kind of weird because because somebody was like, you know, nobody's ever made anything like this before, and I'm like, no, it's. This is, it's kind of like a John Woo action movie with a bear. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not it's not unheard of, but it I mean it looks it looks hilarious. Apparently it's so the... weird, like what grabs Normie's attention though? Like why right? that? I don't know. That's like fucking Sharknado and shit. I guess that's true. Yeah, just somebody in our office came in and asked somebody like, uh, can you tell me why cocaine is trending on Twitter? <laughs> and everybody in the office is like, cocaine bear. And she's like, what the fuck is that? That's the way I'd explain cocaine bear to her. 
Well, and then the funny – somebody at my job was talking about it too and then they go, you know, it's based on a true story. And I'm like, no, no. It's based, it's like vaguely based on a thing that happened. Cocaine <laughs> fell in the woods. A bear got into it. And if I remember right, I can't remember if anybody even got attacked, but basically the bear did kind of go nuts because it was all fucking gacked out. (laughs) Seems like I heard from somebody that the bear ended up dying just because it OD'd on cocaine. Yeah, I mean, it was silly. Like, it's just a thing that happened and it was fucked up. But like changing that to a bear doing rails and murdering people (laughs) and being like based on a true story. And it's like, no, no. I heard that cocaine's not good for bears, but I, I don't want to say that out loud because I'm not a bear. <laughs> not a not a bear slash cocaine expert. No, I'm I'm just not, and it's I don't I don't want to speak out of turn. You know, feel free to fact check me if you have information that suggests cocaine is good for bears. Coming coming next year, heroin donkey. <laughs> What's that donkey doing? Sleeping and pissing on himself. End of movie. See, See, I threw out the idea. <laughs> I threw out the idea, like, well, now we're just gonna get drug animal combos that you know will lead to some animal attack movie. So I, I threw out, well, like, what about meth shark? Oh, I was, I was a shark that does a bunch of meth, but then his teeth fall out, so it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> I I cannot believe that a movie about like a group of campers in a cabin in the woods in Florida being beset by methed out raccoons has not been made into a movie. Cause that just, it seems so natural that that movie would exist. Now, I'm just curious, Brian, did you, was this at work when you're like, what about meth shark? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, yeah. did, did you used to like that job or what? <laughs> like, no, I work at a TV station. We're supposed to come up with creative ideas. Oh, good point. <laughs> no, my other coworkers was running around going cocaine bear the whole week. So I mean, nobody's going to get mad about it. Apparently, cocaine bear. Yeah, people were excited by this concept. I'm just like been there, done that. I've seen, I've seen PCP orca moose, <laughs> PCP. <laughs> <laughs> It's dissociating. What? Uh, do you have any? Do you have any big drug problems up there in Canada right now, Doug? Um, just shit that you guys sneak across our border. Oh. We, have the, we, we have. Oh, we have like kind of like the again the same problems you guys have, just not as bad. So we have like the opioid issue does exist here. Oh. The fentanyl issue does exist here. Weed's so, legal, so we don't lock people up for that anymore. So what about like opioid opioid otters or opioid otters? Fentanyl falcons. Falcons are all up, hopped up on fentanyl and just start dive bombing people. As soon as you cross the border, it has to be alliteration. That's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Peyote coyote. <laughs> I'm down for that. Just a bunch of <laughs> fucking just a coyote bunch of hallucinating ripping balls. <laughs> just, just fucking like they think they're chasing a rabbit, but they're just barking at a mailbox. <laughs> People are standing around confused. Like, what the fuck's he doing? Come on. 
Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.